How does a child cultivate an understanding of humanity? How do they learn kindness, empathy, and respect for others? Every individual must learn what it means to be human. Early childhood is when this learning begins. What matters most for children is how we are with them. Regardless of your role in a child's life, you help them learn to trust, explore, develop, and learn. How you choose to be when you're around children, both your actions and your words, serve as a model for how to be in the world. You consistently send messages that shape how children see themselves, others, and the process of learning. Children are watching us. They are following their leaders. I'm Judy Jablon, founder and executive director of Leading for Children. At Leading for Children, we bring together all the adults who care for and educate young children to ensure their success now and in the future. For children, every moment counts. As we explore LFC's Humanity First model on this podcast, we've been talking about our 11 simple rules to create thriving communities for children. Last month, we examined the rule of honest in thinking about relationships and interactions. Today, let's look at what it means to be open. To join me in the conversation, Nicole, Jonathan, and Marnisha are here. Nicole, I'll pass it to you. Thank you, Judy. Hello, everyone. My name is Nicole Parks, and I'm the Deputy Executive Director here at Leading for Children and looking forward to today's conversation. Marnisha, I'll pass to you. Hello, everyone. My name is Marnisha Cathy, and I serve as the Director of West Point Christian Preschool in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And Jonathan, I'll pass it to you. Thank you, Marnisha. Hi, I'm Jonathan Fribley, Senior Program Leader with Leading for Children. So everyone, thanks for joining this conversation. I'm really excited to think about the idea of how we can be open in our relationships and interactions with each other, and obviously as models for children and with the children that we care for and educate. So I'd like to invite us all to think about, when we think about being open, what does that mean? What comes to mind? Who'd like to get us started? I will, Judy. When I think about, you're welcome. When I think about the concept of being open, it could be an exciting one. It can also be a scary one because, you know, when you open yourself up, you never know how you're going to be received on the other end. So that can be the scary part. But when you open yourself up and that is reciprocated on the other end, it could be very exciting and lead to a rewarding experience. Arnisha, I really appreciate you sort of looking at at both sides of that and thinking about how when we are open, that invites a response from someone else. And as I thought about my own sense of what open is, I, I thought about myself as being curious and non-judgmental and comfortable with not knowing or uncertainty. And there are many possible responses from people to that, but I think that it can evoke in the other person sort of a similar sort of stance. And I think that oftentimes when I'm open with people, they perceive me as inviting and safe and reciprocate. When I think about open, I, I think about trust. Um, 
because to me, that's such a big part of being open. For me to be able to be open and transparent, there's vulnerability with that. And so for me, I think about the relationship between trust and being open and how that's also reciprocated. So at the same time, if I want someone to be open with me, I have to ask myself those same questions. Can they trust themselves with me? And so I think about that a lot when I think about open. And Judy, we're curious to hear your thoughts. I'm very interested in the sort of duality. I I so resonated, Marnesha, with what you said about both kind of exciting and also scary. And I think for me, I more often have to work at quieting the fear of of it being scary and and i think that comes for me not just with worrying about how i'm going to be received but also like am i going to bungle it am i you know am i going to am i going to screw up in some way and i think that when i think about the duality and what you said jonathan about you know inviting a response it is so uplifting when you feel resonance with another person you know when when you engage with another person and and you feel like a connection happened so i i think for me it's it's how i really want to strive for that feeling of connection and resonance i'm wondering you know as we talked about kind of both the duality of the feeling the reciprocity in openness, curiosity versus judgment. I'd like us to think a little bit about, you know, our experiences as educators first and kind of, if I can, Marnesha, invite you to think about ways that openness serves you as the leader of a program, as a director of a program. Wow, thank you for that question, Judy. How it serves us is when we have a lot of young parents, first time parents, and it's very it's a very stressful thing to leave your baby with strangers. <laughs> you know, and so we really work at making especially all of our parents, but especially our new parents feel really comfortable, feel really, feel our warmth and our invitation to partner with them and assisting them with um, their, you know, little ones. And so um, ways that we do that is before enrollment even happens, we invite them to a family meeting. That gives them the opportunity to spend some time in our facility it gives them an the opportunity to meet staff, to ask any questions they may have, for us to ask questions, and for them to really investigate the space that their child will be spending the next nine to 11 hours in. And I found that when we started doing that, it helped moving forward when it was time to drop off because we're still kind of in this um, COVID era where we're not allowing people in and out of our buildings. And so parents, you know, greet or our staff meet parents at the door and then we receive their students and take them to their classroom. 
And so it helps us to begin to foster building that relationship when we have those parent meetings. Um, of course, I'm always communicating with my staff to communicate often with our parents through our app, uh, at sending pictures, responding to their messaging. So the thought of openness is always on our mind because this is such a sensitive thing for parents to leave their little ones. So we really work hard at ensuring that we build that trusting relationship and letting them know that they can call us anytime. Of course, they can pop in, you know, anytime, even though we're not allowing um, people on our campus. But if they pop in, of course, we would definitely allow them on our campus. So those are just a few of the things that we find ourselves doing. It's, of course, amazing to hear you talk about, you know, the very intentional actions that you do to support families. You also talked about sort of creating a culture for your staff to kind of invite them to be thinking about the perspective of families. Jonathan, Nicole, is there something that's buzzing for you that you'd like to to offer in terms of, you know, just thinking about creating that welcoming, trusting environment among kind of all these different people that are factoring into the child's life as we think about kind of the relationship between home and school? I think what stood out for me, uh, Marnisha, was some of the words that you use. And so as I was listening, I wrote down comfortable and warmth and invitation, partnership, foster and building relationships and responsiveness. And I just think about how all of those are either attributes of openness or invite one to be open. And the and the fact that you all are doing it in a way that's not didactic is two-way. And so that stood out to me. Listening to Nicole describe your sort of highlighting those words that that you used, Manisha. I found the children popping into my mind and and you were describing what was happening between adults. And yet I can't but imagine that that spirit spills over to what happens with the children. Educators that are that intentional and warm and tuned in to uh, families surely bring that to the children as well. And when I think about the children walking in that first day or that first week or for some of them that first month still, right, knowing that who they are is seen and valued and welcomed, whoever that might be, no matter what just happened, that, that they are seen and, and, and valued is, is then they can walk in the door. And, and I think too about how that must ripple out from the parents to the children when the when the families are welcomed that way by the adults that that in your program then surely those families are more at ease walking in that door and sending a message of confidence to those children so i have kind of a complex thought here we are definitely describing you know the benefits of being open. As I listen to you, Marnesha, and then, you know, the responses from Jonathan and Nicole, 
we have at a minimum all the different family members who are involved in, you know, the everyday. And we have the administrators who are involved in supporting early care and education. And then we have the teachers who are working directly with children during the day. And then we have the children. And all those different people are experiencing the scary side of open and the exciting side of open. And they all have a different perspective and yet they have overlapping perspectives. And so often the issues around judgment supersede curiosity and we get into trickiness and we miss the mark. And instead of it being open, trusting two-way, it's not. And I guess it would be important for us in this conversation to think about what what's what tools have we found in ourselves to help us be intentional about being curious, intentional about bringing the positive side of openness into our experiences, especially in more difficult, challenging situations. Who'd like to lead us off? As everyone was talking, I was thinking too also how to be open, it's not a one-time act. Like you said, it's a very intentional act and something that we have to do on a continuous basis. So even though we have that initial, you know, family meeting, once they come, we continue to have to foster those relationships and foster being open with our parents. And uh, during those difficult moments, uh, what I found that works is number one, I try to do, I try to cultivate my own self-awareness and thinking about my impact. So not to sit in a seat of judgment, but do I want someone when I'm in a situation where I need someone to be open with me, do I want them to be judgmental and closed off with me? And so putting myself in that seat helps me to try to remain open. Not that I always succeed, but it does help me to try to remain open when putting those, put in those difficult situations. So for example, one of the things that we do in our family meeting is a very brief developmental screening. And so we have parents who answer questions about their child's development. During that screening, we have had opportunities where we've seen where some students had some challenges. And whenever you begin to talk to a parent about their child having any types of challenges, it becomes a very sensitive conversation. And so you have to tread very lightly. And so again, thinking about, I have a granddaughter, how would I want someone to approach my son and his wife if they were having to communicate some of those same things? Um, And then remembering that, you know, as parents, we see the best in our kids. And so it's difficult to sometimes accept that reality. And so we take 
an opportunity to have courageous conversations with them and let them know that at the end of the day, our intent is what's best for the student, which ultimately is what's best for the overall good of the family. And I think, Jonathan, you said it in the beginning, and I wrote, you didn't say it like this, but I wrote it, what comes from the heart will reach the heart. And so when I have a positive outlook on being open to having this courageous conversation with the parent, they can see my sincere concern and their response mimics my response. And then that gives us an opportunity to move forward and talk about different services and, you know, even begin the path of getting the child the help that they need, even if they don't make the decision to attend our preschool. At the end of the day, it's about that student. So I try to, you know, just not sit in a seat of judgment and to just think about myself and what I would want for myself, my kids, my granddaughter. Speaking of grandchildren, who's about to chime in? Well, I would share some reflections about uh, it's about adults and children. As Judy hinted, I have grandchildren, but I'm thinking of lots of children as as I ponder when I'm with a child or when I see other people with children. Now, what is it that we want them? to sense and think about us, especially is it safe to show up who they are, having just done whatever they did or needing whatever it is they need? Can they share that with us? And and when we are open, when we are accepting, non-judgmental, calm, then they can come to us with difficult moments, with difficult problems. And, and, you know, I will fully confess as a parent, I know I did not always meet that standard. There were things that there were moments and events in our, our lives as a family where you know, one child or another, it took them a long time to feel safe to come with some things that they weren't sure how they would be accepted. And, and I guess, I'd highlight a couple things out of that. One is when that happens, then they can't get help from us. But when adults, when children do feel safe to be open with the adults, then like Marnesha, like what you described with between the, 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 your center and the, and the families, you can help each other. It, 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 the same is, is true with children. And I want to just highlight also having, you know, being old enough that I don't have any young kids of my own at home anymore. It feels like that what you do, what we do with our children when they're young really is foundational to what happens later. It's a lot harder to build open, trusting relationships with a 15-year-old than it is with a four-year-old if it didn't come before. So it just feels really powerful to have those moments with young children where there's something difficult and they come to you and it's safe and we're together and they're helped. 
and they have learned that they can be open to. Yeah, I I appreciate that, Jonathan. Actually, Gracie and I had, we were talking similarly about this this morning. So there was a situation as oftentimes when you have a 12-year-old, situations arise. And we were just driving to school and, and I was talking to her about it. And I said, you know, when I was little, the adults in my life would say, just tell me the truth, just be honest with me and you won't get in trouble. And I said, but then I would tell the truth and then I would always get in trouble. So what they taught me was, no, don't, you know, be open and honest. And so what I was saying to her was, I appreciated her being open with me about this situation and how I admired her ability to do that without a guarantee of how I would react. And I shared, I said, well, you know, I hope that I intentionally create this space where you feel you can be open. And I, and then I laughingly, and I joked to her and Jonathan, you brought it back to my mind because I just said it laughingly. And it is very true. I said, you know, that's why I don't say to you, just tell me the truth, just be open and you won't get in trouble. I said, because the reality is you may do something that there may have to be some natural consequences for um, or have results from. I said, and so I don't want to say to you, be honest, be open, and you won't get in trouble. I said, instead, I always say, let's practice being honest with each other. I'll be honest and open with you and you be open and honest with me. And it's just kind of like a rule that we have for each other. And then when you said that, I laughed and I went, oh, that that's why, because if we say or invite children to be open with us, and then the reaction that they get from us is negative, well, why would they want to repeat that again? And we've taught them then that you have to hide a part of yourself or you can't be your whole self. And so that just made me made me think about that, that conversation that we had this morning. I think I'm going to invite us into the space of, you know, a place that Marnisha, you started us, you know, you said when a child is demonstrating some behaviors or some actions that raise some questions, I mean, like, welcome to childhood. You know, there's always going to be something and something is going to require a conversation that that means that it's not going to be the easiest conversation. And I think about, I always say that even though I wasn't the greatest teacher and in the sense that I made so many mistakes, if I could play the tape back, I would do so many things differently. If, you know, it's one of those, if I knew then what I know now, nonetheless, I have always said there is no child who wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be evil today. You know, like that three-year-old who falls apart, didn't make a, have a rehearsal to do it you know, something happened that caused that child to get what we call dysregulated. Things just sort of went awry. Well, the same is true about me. I don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to have a temper tantrum around such and such at one o'clock today. It's that circumstances happened and I lost it at, you know, one o'clock today. 
And yet, when a child has a hard time, one's one an adult's ability to accept that that's a hard time that's happening, and for the adult to stay even and calm and safe is so difficult. So if we say, okay, in the best of all worlds, the children come to West Point Christian Preschool and the families come and everybody's doing well until the day when somebody doesn't do so well. And then the ripple is that the child has a difficult time and potentially the teacher then has a difficult time and then the parent gets defensive and then you get called in and then there's blame and then there's, and it creates such an unhealthy environment, not just for the child. And, you know, I, I wish that we could wave a magic wand and say, you know, Marnesha says, when it comes from the heart, it's received by the heart. And when I think back to my mistakes and I think, if I could have not lost my temper, if I could have stayed in my heart and been a little more generous and had a little more perspective, you know, I would like to have us think about how to support everybody, ourselves included. When it gets tough, it gets hard. You know, it's like, once it starts, how do we help it to stop? And so maybe we could generate some ideas about what are some ways we can support one another and support the people listening to us in staying open when stress escalates, whether it's in our adult-adult interactions and whether it's in our interactions with children what are some ways to hold on to open when other things creep in and interfere? Well, as a director, I not only have to stay open to my family, but I have to stay open to my staff. And so when I think about what open means, approachable, helping them to expand their thinking, listening to learn from them and seeking to understand them, I think one thing that helps us to remain open is conversations like these where we're able to continue to talk about staying open. But having, and we're we're experiencing some of this, you know, now and I'm just thinking about a specific teacher and some specific students that have posed some specific challenges and how I, I need to hear from my teacher and seek to learn from her and what is her experience in this situation and trying to understand that and how can I come alongside her and support her so that she'll know, hey, someone has my back, someone is here for me in this relationship to help her to remain open to the student and think about, okay, they didn't wake up, like you said, Judy, they didn't wake up thinking in their head that they were going to have a tantrum, but some things happened to where it led to that. And so helping my teacher 
think about, okay, what are some things that happened that may have led to that? And that's helping her to understand that student and then us coming up with the game plan on maybe trying to help avoid some of these challenges or breakdowns or whatever we want to call them. So I definitely think as a director, it leads me to thinking, okay, how can I support my staff in these situations? And how can we continue to have a conversation around remaining open for our families and our students? Well, and and as you were talking and you used the phrase, come alongside, I thought to myself about a memory I have of one of my, one of my, um, I'd like to fix it. You know, I'd like to go back in time and fix a situation. There was a little boy I taught many, many years ago, and I was not a good teacher for him because I sort of, I don't know, I formed a judgment early on and missed the mark. And every single day when we went outside into the yard, the teacher that had had him the year before talked about what a difficult child he was and just fueled me. And instead of being curious with that other teacher and say, walk alongside me, you know, help me think about how to support this child. I got excited and fueled by the fact that she didn't like him either. I mean, it's embarrassing to tell this. And when the parent tried to invite me to walk beside her, I was more fueled by the other teacher whose negativity pulled me in. The one person in that story that I never walked alongside was the child. You know, I never saw the child as my partner. And as I was listening to you, I was thinking, hmm, it almost becomes me against the other person as opposed to me beside. And you were describing, you know, I I can't just walk alongside the family. I have to walk alongside the teacher. And then I thought, well, and how do we walk beside one another and with that child very much beside us? When I practice, I'll say that when I practice it, one of the tools that support me in staying open a long time ago, someone shared a meme with me of the, the six and the nine and each person is standing on, on an end and one person is going, that's a six and the other person is going, no, that's a nine. And they're clearly butting heads and that just stood out so vividly to me. And I went, well, they're both right. You know, they're both right. Um, And it's just that they haven't seen the perspective of the other person yet. And so in the back of my mind, I try to hold on to the, the, the idea that I don't have to see it as a right or a wrong. I don't have to win. And so I really try to think, okay, we could both be right. I can be open. And so I, that helps me to be open to hearing the perspective of another, to hearing the thoughts of another. And it helps me to manage myself because I'm quite sure the the person who shared it with me, they shared it with me after us having a conversation about just how black and white I saw things. Like things were either right or they were wrong. They were just or they were unjust. You know, I was young. And so she she just shared it. She didn't say in the way that she shared it. She, she didn't say, what does that tell you? What do you think? She just said, I came across this 
And I know that you like visuals. And so I want to share it with you. And she just left it with me. And then she left it up to me to do my own work. But that's a tool that I use, um, you know, is to try to remember that it depends on where we're standing. And so we have to understand each other's perspective. And that helps when I practice. <laughs> that helps me to be open. Uh, I want to see if I can play around with something and maybe something useful will come out here. I, when I listened to you, Nicole, I, I, I really... I, it seemed like you were searching. I, I was hearing you searching for a, a stance that you could really honor in yourself. Like, how do I want to be here? And I don't know. It seems like every time we have one of these conversations about being intentional, at some point we come back around to pausing and slowing down and noticing ourselves so that we can aim to be that person we hope to be. And when I think about that with being open, and you were talking about being right and wrong, boy, it is so comfortable to be right, you know, it, it, not, not to be right, but, but to know that you're right, right? <laughs> you know, whatever the reality is, I know I'm right. Okay. And, you know, maybe it goes back to that vulnerability that you were talking about, Marnesha, of like when we're when, when we're open, then it's not only how the other person will respond, but it is like, what am I going to learn about myself? And what am I going to learn about the, about the world? But when I can do that, then, I don't know, there's exciting possibilities for me. And there's possibilities in the relationship. But it does mean like letting go of some control, letting go of some power and, you know, being willing to find out that maybe uh, I had something to learn from that other person, find out that maybe I wasn't in the stance that I wanted to be, but now there's the opportunity to. So that pausing feels really powerful to me so that we can ground ourselves. And then I, Marnisha, you at one point talked about how you, you referred to having a conversation around remaining open. And I just lit up when I heard that because I thought we don't have to do this ourselves, do we? We can hold each other's hands on it. We can have it as a shared intention. And, and when we do that, then it's just so much easier because we feel safer and other people are are helping us. And so, you know, maybe it would be okay to be able to say, you know, I, I want to try to listen to this, even though it's hard, or I, I want to share something with you that feels hard to share with you. Cause I it really, I value what can come from us being open together. I'm going to elevate an idea that Nicole, you started when you talked about, you know, it either feels like it has to be right or wrong black or white, you know, that's so much a function of the culture we live in, you know, that it's one way or it's the other way. I either won or I lost. And, you know, I, again, when I think back to my ineffective moments as a teacher, like, who was I kidding that, you know, I had to win a power dynamic with a five-year-old, you know, like, hello, 
And when I asked myself, you know, what was behind that? And Jonathan, I'm not sure it was that I needed to exercise power as the impetus. I think it was my fear of losing control that made me feel like I had to hold so tight to control. And the fear of feeling powerless. And again, it's very much easier to have all these years since then to be reflective and to cultivate self-awareness and to have the gift of having so many amazing conversations with families and educators, you know, over my career to be able to look back and say, boy, you know, I'm glad to know that I did well with some children and families, but I think it was my going back to Marnesha's very opening line that there were exciting moments about being a teacher and there were so many scary moments, you know, like the emperor's new clothes, like, was I going to be discovered as an imposter? Like, were they going to figure out that I didn't really know what I was doing? Or, you know, was this parent going to not like me? Or were they going to like the teacher in the next classroom more than they were going to like me? And those are all so real as feelings. And they undermine our capacity to be open and to be curious and to be learners. But they're human, you know, they're part of our makeup. I think about Chelsea and how Chelsea talks about, you know, how she's changed as a teacher and how her fear of relinquishing control created more challenging behaviors in her classroom. And that as she was able to give children more latitude to be spontaneous and creative and independent thinkers, the challenging behaviors reduced and reduced and reduced. And I think until you experience that firsthand in your interactions with children, it's very difficult. And I think in some cases, both family members and teachers are afraid to set limits. And so they get, you know, like things are pretty chaotic because there are no limits. And then there's appropriate limits, like Nicole was describing about being careful not to say this to Gracie. It doesn't mean she has to be mean to Gracie. And all of those things, I think, come out of our conversations with each other of letting ourselves be learners about how to be our best selves, as opposed to feeling like we're expected to already know how to be our best selves. Marnisha, you're ready, aren't you? I can feel that you have something wonderful to share. Oh, I was just um, thinking, too, about one thing about being open is being able to admit when you're wrong, that you don't know, that you made a mistake, and allowing someone else to, allowing your parents, your staff, whoever, to see that vulnerability. And what really resonated with me, Nicole, is when you, somebody said, I can't remember who said it, but the fear of losing control makes you hold tighter to the, no, Judy, you said it. And I was like, 
wow, that was just so powerful. And it really resonated with me because I can relate to it personally. I can see it in parents. I can see it in staff. And I'm just, my wheels are turning like, okay, how do we get to the point where we're willing to release that control and stop holding on so tight? What's, why do we feel like we need to hold on so tight to it is, you know, the question that I'm asking and that I'm going to be posing to other people about, yeah, releasing their control. Well, I think for me, the beginning of understanding it was probably after I left the classroom. I mean, I I know I thought about it some as a classroom teacher, but in my family life, kind of what would happen if I didn't plan every detail so carefully? You know, what if I like shared the responsibility of how an event was going to go. What if I like didn't worry about every single detail? That was a question that was posed to me. And it was like, well, (laughs) and the fact is that I actually had a better time. And the same is true, I think, with what happens in our experiences in our workplaces and our experiences with kids that yourself to share responsibility, you get to have more surprises and you get to not be so worried and stressed. And so I I think it's important to think about, you know, what, what's behind the needing to control and then there, what, what are the possible gains? Jonathan. Judy, when you talked about, the the willingness or or the sort of the life lesson of do I need to control this? I found myself thinking about both my own relationships and uh, something I remember hearing from one of our learning partners. And and I actually wrote this down and saved it for this conversation because I thought it was so striking. She shared, being more open to hearing others' opinions and approaches to situations has led to constructive idea building and saving the team a lot of time. So Mm. there is this benefit that can come from being open. But the flip side of that that I heard in, in what you described, Judy, was that being open to other people's ideas also means that it's not going to come out exactly the way I want it to. And and you can talk to my wife, Mary, about this if you'd like sometime. Um, Mary, if you're listening, you, you know, you chime in, right? Um, but that that has been sort of a, a learning path for me is, so which do I value more here? Do I value having the control and having it come out my way, or do I value having this other person have a voice and have ownership and feel important and, and seen and yeah, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. And we did it together and we both mattered. So I I hear your story, my story and yours, I guess, Judy. We're, we're coming to the end of our conversation. I think 
we could probably have another conversation now about enduring relationships and how relinquishing control leads to longer term loving relationships. Nicole, Marnisha, something you'd like to add? I was just thinking a lot of my, when I think about open and letting go of control, a lot of it too is I think about my role or my purpose. So whether it was as a teacher, um, as a mom, a grandmother, aunt, but it's always been this idea that if I control everything, and this might sound a little morbid, and it's honestly the question that I used to ask myself, what happens for these children when you're no longer there or if you're no longer there? So I think one of the greatest gifts as adults we can give children other than loving them unconditionally is supporting them in exercising their own agency and seeing their own smarts and their own ideas. And I feel like a way that we do that is it does require us to share control. And so I I think about it not so much as relinquishing, but sharing. And it sometimes that gets messy. Sometimes I take a big gulp, especially as this 12-year-old, as I share power with her and control with her, sometimes it makes me take a big gulp. And yet I feel certain that (laughs) once she's an adult and to a degree even now, she knows who she is. She knows what she wants out of life and she owns her smarts and she owns and exercises her agency. And I feel like that's so important that we support children in doing that. And so that is one of the things that I try to remember when I want to just swoop in. I think that's a beautiful visual of relationship and being a wonderful model for Gracie, for children. We say at Leading for Children, how we choose to be when we're around children, our actions and our words are models for how to be in the world. We're consistently sending messages that send that let children know who they are and how to learn. They're watching us and they're following us who are their leaders. Thank you all for joining us in this conversation today about open. And let's remember that humanity starts with each one of us. 